Yeah, so as Jerry said, please, please um, either uh, put your hand up for a Bible or uh, if you have data on your phone, you can go to the App Store or to the Google Play Store and download the YouVersion Bible app uh, because we're going to deal with something a little bit different uh, today with our teaching, uh, putting a little bit more of the directive power into your hands than solely being in mine. So it's going to be really important that you download, uh, have the Bible on hand and also be able and uh, for the opportunity to take some notes. Well, it is so good to be together. It always is good to be together. I'm extremely thankful for Jerry and giving us a beautiful, uh, what could be known as a theological or a study of God of why we do announcements. Very, very helpful. So thank you to you, Jerry. If you are new and you're not a follower of Jesus, we're particularly thankful that you're decided today to join us. Uh, Every week we get together, and you maybe know of this thing called church, and when you think about church, you think of buildings, but in the Bible, the church is not described as a building. The church is described as a group of people, and so we here at Church of the City, we try as best we can, and I even just did it at Church of the City, but we try as best we can to use language of speaking about one another uh, as the church. The church not being a place that we go, but that the church is who we are. And so we, the church, are God's people. And so you'll even see on our screen, we have something like welcome church of the city rather than welcome to church of the city or you're at church of the city. Uh, We are the church. We are church of the city. And so that is just an amazing opportunity that we have to be God's people in this local church. And as Jeremiah mentioned, the vision meeting on May 6th is going to be really important. And as he said, members will have the opportunity to vote on strategic decisions, but we would invite all of you to come to this meeting. Um, If you consider this to be your church family, maybe you haven't taken the step of membership yet, I would ask you just to come uh, because we're going to be telling you things. There'll be opportunities for you to ask questions. We have some changes that are going to be coming in the next number of months. And so we would really love you to be there to really be part and to participate in family meetings. Because I don't know about you, but growing up, my parents and we had family meetings. And, you know, there was always a little bit of loathing around it, but usually they were extremely fruitful and extremely helpful for the health of our family. And so we really see these vision meetings as those opportunities to fill you in, get your feedback as we continue to live life out together on mission here in this city uh, with the desire to see Guelph look more like heaven um, than not like heaven. And so that's our vision in Guelph as it is in heaven. I'm going to pray. Uh, Yes, we've already prayed a lot, but guess what? Christians pray. And so I'm going to pray this opportunity to talk to God and uh, just be excited about the fact that we have the opportunity to speak to him and that he listens to us. So let's pray quickly. Jesus, I'm thankful that we have the opportunity to be here today and to have the opportunity to learn a little bit more about what it means to be people of faith. God, as we'll discover today, I believe every person on the planet is a person of faith. They represent different positions, different worldviews of faith. So Lord, affirm us today in our position of faith in you. I pray if there's anybody here, Lord, that does not place their faith in you, maybe in other things that they would consider today, uh, making you their faith position. And thank you that we can walk this out as a church family together. What an opportunity. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Well, one of my favorite movies uh, from the last year is the movie called Dunkirk. Uh, some of us in this room have maybe seen Dunkirk before. I have a picture uh, here. If, if you haven't, I would highly recommend you seeing it. Now, I know some of the controversy. I probably like it because I'm... Um, um, 
a white guy. I totally get that. Anyways, Dunkirk is, in my perspective, an excellent movie. And I was actually very excited about the movie coming out before I even knew the premise because I'm a huge Christopher Nolan fan. Uh, He did the Batman trilogy. He did Inception. And so I'm a huge Christopher Nolan fan. And so when Dunkirk came out, I naturally wanted to go see it. But leaving the film, I was blown away. Now, if you haven't seen the film, a little bit of the storyline that goes along with it is that Christopher Nolan is portraying the Battle of Dunkirk, which was the defense and evacuation of British and allied forces from May 26th until June the 4th, 1940, which resulted in 330,000 troops being rescued. 330,000. Like, I can't even fathom that number of people, but 330,000. There was 400,000 on the beaches. Operation Dynamo, this particular evacuation, was in response to Belgian, British, and French soldiers being pinned down and surrounded by German troops around the midpoint of the six-week-long Battle of France. Now, Winston Churchill, he called this uh, a colossal military disaster, believing that the root and core of the British army had been stranded at Dunkirk and would perish or be captured. Now, the miracle and why this story is so powerful is that from the span of May 26th until June 4th, ships of all sorts, when I say all sorts, made the 72-kilometer trek from British shores to Dunkirk to retrieve soldiers, many manned by civilians. And so I have a picture here of the map of what this, um, this voyage, the distance. So you have England, Dover, right over to Dunkirk. And so the span of, of space was about 72 kilometers. And as you watch this film, you watch everyday humans getting in their boats, being willing to take the trek across the water to retrieve soldiers. It's absolutely amazing. Now, I, as I watch this movie, I'm blown away by their example, right? You're just, you're immediately hit. Like, these people are brave, right? Like, I have a boating license. I got it online, okay? Certainly, these people are far better at, at ha- handling their ships than I would be in your boat, for example. I don't own a boat, but I have a boating license, so let me have your boat. Um, and so we... You know, I got this online. But these folks, they trusted their abilities to get across this, this body of water. And I'm, of course, a huge Christopher Nolan nerd, so I got the extended edition and watched the special features, which, of course, includes Christopher Nolan taking this voyage on a boat himself and then explaining about, like, how risky and dangerous it actually is to make this particular trek. But you watch this movie and you're struck. You're struck by the example of these civilians that obviously believed in the cause, obviously trusted in the goodness of humanity. And if we do not step in and do something, this is going to be a colossal military disaster, as Winston Churchill has said. We must do something. So I'm struck by their example. But then second, I'm struck by their faith. Right? You're struck by their faith, the faith that they had, obviously, in some of their own abilities, the, the fact that, okay, there could be weather, but we're going to do it, the faith of countrymen, of wanting to support their country. They're moved to the point of we're going to risk our own lives for the sake of our fellow human beings to save them. And as a result, 330,000 of 400,000 people are rescued. Amazing, right? So you watch that movie, and you sort of have a little bit of like a challenging like I have this inner dialogue with like, what am I giving myself to? You know, what examples am I following? What do I believe in? Would I have been willing at that time to like 
get on my bike, maybe, and like go and retrieve people with my bike trailer. I don't know, but like you start asking these questions of yourself, right? Now, as we've been transitioning a little bit in our study of the book of Hebrews, we've landed at what is probably known for most people who are aware of the Bible and the Christian story, the section of the scriptures in Hebrews that's called the Hall of Faith. Now, for those of us that are not familiar, it's the section of Hebrews in chapter 11 specifically in which our author or pastor is retelling stories of people that did incredible things or took incredible, incredible leaps of faith in their relationships with God. That went out and did remarkable things. And many of these stories and many of these people would have been extremely well known to his Jewish, Jewish audience. They were the patriarchs. They were the stories of old. The stories that they would grow up learning about uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're all of these people. And so what our author here is trying to do is to put flesh on to say, as you consider what it means to live a life of faith and you're trying to stay steady in your commitment to Jesus, regardless of the persecution that you are facing, because if you recall, that's what's going on. Our author is writing to a group of people that are facing persecution, extreme persecution, their lives are being taken. They're being punished for their faith. And he's trying to encourage them to keep going. So what does he do here in chapter 11? But he looks back and says, think about the faith and examples of what we have to follow. Be encouraged by their faith so that you can continue going in your own. Now, we all maybe have stories that we look to as these examples. You know, maybe it's a story like Dunkirk, or maybe it's a story of something that your grandfather did or your grandmother. We think that was really bold. That was, that was really bright of them, and they were willing to take and, and sacrifice. That's what this chapter is to be for us as we look at their examples. Now, first what our author does is he wants to help us understand and define, well, what is faith? And so Hebrews 11, verse 1, as I said, if you have your Bibles, you can go there. Uh, it's going to be near the end of the entirety of the Bible. Uh, so you can go with me there, Hebrews 11, or you can get your phone out, iPad, and, and thumb your way to Hebrews 11, verse 1. And this is how our author defines faith. So we're going to start there. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. All right, so let's stop there. It's the assurance of things hoped for. So what this means is that, that those things haven't necessarily happened yet. Right? It's some maybe future reality. It's assurance that something is going to happen in the future. So faith is the assurance that something is going to happen in the future. It's, secondly, the conviction of things not seen. It's conviction of things not seen. Now, you don't have to be a Christian person to know conviction. It's that deep-seated reality in your bones when you experience something. You just know you need to make a particular decision. That's a part of faith. It's assurance of things hoped for in the future. It's conviction of the things that are not maybe seen, or in this case, definitely not seen. This is faith. Now, my personal perspective is that I believe that every person on the planet is a person of faith. And you'll notice that sometimes when you're talking to a Christian person, they might, they might talk about, you know, I'm, do you have faith? It's like, well, what, what faith are you talking about? Because every person on the planet has faith. If we're to use this definition alone, every person on the planet has assurance in themselves of something that they hope for or a conviction of things not seen. And they make decisions in their lives based upon that particular faith. 
So some simple examples, right? Like maybe the housing market is an example. I have faith that I'm going to buy this house and that, you know, what I make right now is going to be enough to keep me going. But I mean, there could be a market crash, but I have faith that there won't be but you make a certain decision. So it's, maybe it's the housing market. Maybe it's, as a student, it's the value of education and academia. You know, you're paying quite a bit of money to be here at the University of Guelph or to be doing other education. And you put a, a certain amount of faith to say, I'm going to complete this education. And you know what? I hope I'm going to get a job at the end of this. And in more recent days, I would say it's even greater step of faith. Not that there's anything bad with academia, but more and more students are expressing that they're coming out of school and going and working at Starbucks. Now, I think Starbucks is great. I think it's providing a lot of great jobs, but likely when you started school, you didn't imagine that you'd come out and that you'd be working at Starbucks. And there's a lot of dissatisfaction for folks with that because they wanted to go and do other things. But you have faith in the value of education. Or maybe, for some of us, it's our own job security. I have faith that my job is going to be secure. Or maybe it's having a good retirement. Or maybe, I even think this is a great example of of just safe driving. Right? Like you get out in your car, it's a certain level of faith that you have that, you know, when I'm driving to a particular place, nobody's going to hit me or I'll hit somebody else. You can even think of the faith around the morality of other people. You hope other people are going to maybe, you know, Andre and I are getting ready to send our oldest to school in September. That's a certain, I, I'm, I'm honest with you, if I'm honest with you, that's, that's going to be a level of faith. <laughs> I'm going to trust the care and like the guiding of the education of my children to somebody else. But then you can go to deeper examples around what do you believe that the meaning of life is? Like, why are we here today? Right? That certainly takes a level of faith. Or maybe it is, why is there pain and suffering in the world? We all have our positions of faith of why there's pain and suffering. Or maybe it's even something around faith of what love is. Or why would I need to live a good life in the first place? Is there a meaning or a reason that I would need to live a good life? We all have positions of faith. Now, you might, you might say, well, come on now. I would, I, in my perspective, and especially responding to something like the tragedy of Humboldt, I think it takes as much faith to disbelieve in God as it takes faith to believe in God. Now, what I mean by that is you try to consider something like suffering. And you either take a position of faith that I believe that if there is an all-powerful, transcendent being, God, and that if he was powerful enough to stop this, he must have some reason that I'll maybe never know why he hasn't. So I need to be willing to identify with both of those camps. Or you just say, well, you know, there is no God, so, you know, it's just a terrible tragedy, and we're all going to, well, we're not going anywhere. We're all just going to die. We'll end up in the ground, and, like, we'll all become trees. Like, for me, an example of that is to say I believe it takes just as much faith to disbelieve as to believe in God. And so we're all people of faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. In verse 2, our author goes on to say, For by it the people of old received their commendation. Now contextually, this is a contextual comment for the Jewish people who have been confused by how the patriarchs of old were redeemed or saved prior to the coming of Jesus Christ. And what our author is saying is they were saved because of their faith because of their faith in the promised Messiah, because of their faith in God. And then number three, verse three, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made of things that are visible. So right away, our author points out the example of creation. Do you believe God created? 
the universe or do you not believe God created the universe? He's saying to believe that God did is a position of faith. To believe that God didn't is a position of faith. We are all faith people. So, where do you place your faith? It's a natural question, right? For all people of faith. It's not a matter of asking the question of whether or not you have it. It's what you have faith in. So here's what I want to do. Now, the art of sermons is that I get up and I've, you know, prepared this like 35, I know I get sometimes to 45, minute homily, right? This speech, <laughs> some people could call it, and then I present it to you and you sort of take it all in and you're like, okay, now what do I do with it? We're going to do something a little bit different today. And this is why I would hope you have your Bibles, your thumbs, to go through this passage. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read it through. And as we go through it, I want you to ask yourself a couple of questions as we respond. And the questions are these. We'll put them on the screen. Number first question is what challenges or stands out to me, so you're asking the question for yourself, out to me from these examples? So what challenges or stands out to me from these examples? So maybe it's something that you're going through right now. And you know, believe it when I say it, I don't know what all of you are going through right now. You know, I can maybe t- take a guess, but maybe it's going to be something connected to where you're going through right now. And then how could or will I live differently because of their example? What stands out to you that you could actually live differently as you read these things? Now, this is, these are great questions to ask uh, of anyone that's just reading the Bible through, right? What stands out to me? And then how could I live differently? What stands out to me? How could I live differently? So we're going to do that, okay? So if you have your Bible, if you have your cell phone, we're going to read through a few of these examples, and then I'm going to literally stop for a minute. I'm going to let you consider, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, one of these examples, and then how you're going to live differently because of it, okay? So you can just listen for this first section. By faith, notice it's by faith, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by his accepting of his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Story of Cain and Abel is related to the object of somebody's worship. Maybe something today stands out for you of what are you offering to God? Is it your best or is it your leftovers? By faith, Enoch, uh, I'm not sure who's having a baby next as part of the Church of the City family, but I would encourage you to consider Enoch. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. So maybe the thing that might stand out to you is, am I living a life that that seeks to please God? You know, Enoch is a very small character. You're maybe like, who in the world is Enoch? You can look back at Genesis. And it said that Enoch walked with God. Now, a couple of points just about walking with God is that you need to agree upon a place, a pace, right? I got to agree on the place that we're going. I got to agree on the, the, the pace that we're going to take. And then I got to also agree on the path. So are you walking with God, giving consideration to these things? Verse six provides a bit of a summary. And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. 
Now, I just want to stop there for a second, okay? And we're going to stop and you're going to write. But think about that for a second. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. Meaning that God expects that in order for you to have faith and to trust him, he's not going to provide all the answers. Assurance of things hoped for, conviction of things not seen. And then verse 7, By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Okay, we're going to stop. So you have a few examples there. You have Abel, Enoch, and Noah. What stands out to you about these examples? Which one or how could you live differently because of the example? We're going to keep going. The next example is Abraham. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Maybe you're in a situation right now and you're not sure what the future holds, but you know and sense that God is calling and asking you to do something but you don't know what that end is going to be. Maybe you're feeling like God's calling you to live somewhere. You're not exactly sure where, but you get the sense that God wants me to move. But you don't have all the details worked out yet. This was Abraham. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Verse 9, By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Now to read a little bit through the lines here, Abraham was not setting up for himself a city. He was living in tents at a time in history when that would have been not a great idea related to personal security. They were living in tents. They weren't setting up walls to defend themselves. Why? Because they trusted that God would be their security. Maybe you're today struggling with the fact that God is your security. Verse 11, by faith Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she was considered him faithful who had promised. Maybe today for you it's related to conception and having kids. Maybe people have told you you're, you're, you're past the age. That's what was going on for Sarah. 
You know, we, we celebrate a lot when someone becomes pregnant. We don't oftentimes have the opportunity to mourn with people when they're not able to conceive. And I've seen the pain in people's eyes as they talk about that. Or when they hear about somebody else being pregnant and they themselves have not been able to. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age. Verse 12, Therefore from one man and him as good as dead because of his age were born descendants as many of the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Wow. From two people that were as good as dead in the ability that they had to conceive, God gave them the ability, they had a child, and then their descendants outnumber the sand that is on the seashore. Picture putting your feet in the sand right now. Wouldn't that be awesome? That's the descendants that came. In summary, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles in the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Now, this is significant what these people did. They believed and trusted in a promise that God made to them, but they were never actually able to experience the promise. That takes faith, right? When you sense that, okay, God's telling me to do something, you probably want to experience it in your lifetime, For these people, that wasn't the case. So let's take a minute again to pause and ask ourselves the questions. What challenges or stands out to me from these examples that we just looked at? And how could or will I live differently because of their incredible example? Which one stands out to you in this moment? Ready for the next section? Some of us are like, you're not giving me enough time. Others are like, would you please start talking again? This is super weird. (laughs) Shows our different sides. Verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering, offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. 
He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. This is telling the story of a man who was promised, this Abraham, this old man who was as good as dead to having a child, and then God tests him and says, will you give me back your child? Will you sacrifice your child to me? And he's willing to go ahead and do that. And at the last minute, God provides a sacrifice. So think of, think of it in this perspective of you sense that God has promised you something, and then you're in a situation where it feels like that God's like going, oh, just kidding. Do you keep going? Because it takes faith to keep going. So what is it for you today? That you're starting to question whether or not God has actually called you to do it because it's not coming through. The doors seem to be closed. Maybe you need to press on. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of his, the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. The story there is that Joseph was living in Egypt, so it would have been natural for his bones to be buried within Egypt. But God had instructed them that his bones, when he died, were to be taken to the promised land. And so he trusted by faith that maybe this is like a weird thing that I should do, but I'm going to do it because I trust and have faith in God that my bones ought to be with my, the future promise and ancestors that are going to come from our family lineage. Let's keep going. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. You'll remember maybe from the story of Moses, yes, the prince of Egypt, Moses, although the details of that ought to be more accurate, but you know what? There you go. So you have the prince of Egypt and you have this Moses and there is a huge call by the Pharaoh to say to kill all of these infants. And Moses' parents said, no, we're not gonna let that happen to our child. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. This is interesting because this is not in the prince of Egypt, that accurate detail, right? He's in the prince of Egypt. Moses is very willing to be called the son of Pharaoh and to live that out. It actually is the case against prince of Egypt that Moses was actually not willing to identify the whole time. He was saying, no, I'm, I'm a Hebrew, that would have been a position of faith. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. And by faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch him. Let's keep going, verse 29. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. She trusted that God was going to protect her in Jericho, that she would be more protected in the hands of the Israelites who were coming after her city than in the military strength of her own city. So let's stop for a second. Just pause. Of these examples of Moses, of Joseph, of the people crossing the Red Sea, 
Would you have taken that step? If you saw a sea split, would you have taken a step in? Would you trust God to take that step? So what challenges or stands out to you from these faith examples? And how will or could I live differently because of their example? Keep going. Verse 32. We're almost there. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Crazy. So take a moment to consider these that have been mentioned, their examples. What stands out to you? And how can you live differently because of their example? Our author finishes in the final two verses to make comment and say in verse 39 first, and all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. 
You know, I think of the character in Dunkirk, uh, if you've seen the movie of Tom Hardy, right? And uh, in our DNA, we oftentimes joke about Tom Hardy is like the best actor where you never actually have to see his nose and his mouth, right? Both in the, the Batman trilogy and then also in this movie, you never see his mouth, but he's so good with his eyes and with his brow, right? Like, what an actor. Uh, but Tom Hardy in this movie, he makes a decision. He knows that his plane is going to run out of fuel, and he doesn't turn back. He says, no, I'm going to participate in saving the guys that are on the beach. Why? Because somebody has to, and we've got to save our men. And it's going to take me doing this in order to move things forward. That's a crazy place of faith. To say, I might not experience the victory, but I'm willing to participate in the process because I believe in the cause. You believe in the cause so much that you're willing to do whatever it takes, maybe never experiencing the result, but knowing that the cause is worth it and that your position of faith is worth it so that the rest of you can get to the end. Now, for for you and I, uh, let's continue here in verse 40 because this brings it all together. So they did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us. Now, just a simple question, maybe to those of us that are thinking about this or have thought about the Christian thing, what had God provided something better for us? It's the squirrel answer, the chipmunk answer. Jesus, right? He's provided Jesus for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect, that we will one day all experience resurrection, rebirth, new life, restoration, that the war will be over, that Jesus is going to win. I don't know about you, but I need that. I need to know that, that Jesus is going to win. How many of you are discouraged? You're beat down, you're lonely, you're broken. You're fearful of every single moment of every single day, yet Jesus says, I'm going to win. It's not going to be over, the cause. You just participate with me in the cause because I'm going to win. It's so good. Like, think about the the way that that would change the way the soldiers in Dunkirk lived. Like, they know that they're going to win. So it's like, whatever, we'll give whatever it takes because we know we're going to win. But it takes faith to believe that Jesus is going to win. I know for some of us, they're like, oh man, these examples are crazy. And I'm just living on like Alice Street and like, what do I do with all this? Like, what am I supposed to do? I'm nothing. Hear this truth. Because of Jesus, you don't have to have it all figured out. Because of Jesus, he fully completes your faith. God will not love you more or love you any less. He loves you. But do you trust that he loves you? Do you have faith that he loves you? You know, I think... Um, as I've said this before, I think marriage is one of like one of next to committing your life to Jesus, which I think is one of the greatest steps of faith you will ever make on this side of heaven. But marriage is also one of the greatest steps of faith, right? And and I hear lots of couples and they say, I don't know if I'm ready. And you know what my my encouragement back to them is, you're never going to be ready. You're never going to be ready because you have no idea what's going to happen. Right? But what do you do? You say, you know what? I think I've experienced enough. I think we got some of our kinks worked out. You know, we're doing premarital counseling. We're you know, helping teach couples how to communicate to each other. 
By this point, they're already engaged, and sometimes I'm thinking, I wish they learned how to communicate better now. They might have been more, you know, convinced when they were proposing. But helping them figure that out so that they can take the step of faith on their wedding day to say, yep, forever, you and me, yeah, baby. You know, that's a great step of faith. It's a huge step of faith. So it is with Jesus Christ. And he says, not only do you put faith in him, but what has he done? He said, I am going to give my life for them. Paul Tripp writes this, Christ's or Jesus' willingness to suffer and die was not motivated by what he saw in us, by what was inside of him. He loves you so much. He gave his life for you. Remember the garden scene? Jesus is praying. If there is another way, Father, do it another way. But he trusts his Father and has faith. So here's the question for us today. What is a step of faith God is asking you to take today? You know, maybe it's as simple as I got to walk across my driveway and say hello to my neighbor. Maybe for you that's a step of faith because you don't know what they're going to say. <laughs> and you always come up with like the worst things in your mind, right? They're going to tell me to get away from me. Like every time I go over that scenario with people, they're like, it's always going to be like the person is having the worst day and I'm just disrupting it. But imagine, imagine if you were to walk across that driveway, and they were to be like really excited that you said hello. Or to say, why don't you come for a, for a dinner? You know, I had a step of faith this past week. I was trying to sell Andrea's old iPhone on Kijiji. And uh, you know Kijiji, right? Like I got somebody on Kijiji was so mad at me yesterday. I'll tell you that story another time. But uh, you're having these like Kijiji angry wars like back and forth over chat. And you're like, I don't even know you. Like what is happening right now? But beginning of the week, I was, so I've been on Kijiji a lot this week. So beginning of the week, I'm trying to sell Andrea's old iPhone. And um, from the very beginning, I knew that the person that I was working with here in this deal um, was probably a little bit difficult to deal with. So, you know, we're going back and forth. He's like, okay, like, how about McDonald's downtown? Will you meet me at McDonald's downtown? You know, those ones are always like kind of creepy, right? Like you show up at the spot, you meet halfway in the parking lot. It's like, what are you wearing? Uh, I'll be wearing this. What are you wearing? Like weird dialogue. Anyways, (laughs) I get there. I'm on the way there. He's like, let's go shortly after eight. My friends are bringing me some money. And I was like, okay, your friends are bringing you money. Okay, interesting. Okay, but I'm going to be there at eight. So let's just meet at eight. (laughs) So he's like, okay, yeah, totally. So I get there. I'm sitting in my van. I totally park like in the corner spot so I can see the entire area, right? I'm just sitting there. He he goes through like the Kijiji message like, are you here? I'm like, yeah, I'm sitting in my van waiting for you. He's like, okay, I'll come out right now. So then he comes out of McDonald's. We totally like meet in the parking lot, right? He's because he wants to see the phone first. He's like, does it turn on? I'm like, Yes, it turns on. Here, it turns on. It needs a SIM card, though. <laughs> you know, you're not going to really know if it works. He's like, okay, well, my friends aren't here yet. So you go back to your van, and I'll meet you at your van once my friends get here with my money. And I'm like, okay, totally. So I go back to my van. You know, he texts me through the Kijiji Facebook messaging, like, hey, uh, my friends are almost here. They're just passing the cop station. Great, see you then. Like, you know, we're com- And then, so then I'm watching. And there's two guys with, like, hooded sweatshirts, like, walk up 
to this guy, like, in this, in this parking lot, got the best scene, like, to watch this. And he's, like, he's talking to them, and all of a sudden, the two guys start running away, like, as fast as they can. And then my guy that I'm making the deal with starts running after him, and then realizes what has happened, and then is like, ah, oh, this is the worst. And uh, so then he comes over to me, he's like, those guys just stole my phone. And I'm like, okay. One, so they're not, they're not your friends. <laughs> He's like, no, they're not my friends. Okay, interesting. Okay, so you don't now do not have a SIM card. No, they took my phone with a SIM card in it. Okay, so now you don't have a phone, and you certainly do not have the money that you said that we were going to exchange for this phone. So, you know, put yourself in the situation. What do you do? Well, see you later, buddy. Take care. The kid's 17, 18 years old. And I sensed God was telling me, give him your phone. Now that's that's a step of faith. So I'm a struggling human being, so I said, okay, buddy, sorry for your luck, see you later. And then I watch him like walk away, and then I pull out with my van, and I'm like, I'm pulling around McDonald's. And then like the conviction of the Holy Spirit is just like, you gotta go after him. And I'm like, no, I'd really like this extra money for the phone. But he's like, no, go after him. So I like, I do the block and like I come around and there he is. I'm, I've, you know, totally mapped it out perfectly. He's coming across the intersection. I knew I'd like, basically, I could have run him over, but he passes my car, <laughs> phone stolen and hit by me. So he like walks across the street and then I open my window and I'm like, hey man. And he's like, hey, I was like, you're not messing with me, right? Like you didn't set that up with those guys. Like your phone was actually stolen from you. He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay. Um, oh, this is so hard. Okay, uh, like, do you come from money? Like, could you get money some other way? He's like, no, you know, things are really tight right now. Okay, all right. He's like, like, we could become friends on Facebook. So I'm like, okay, yeah, like, let me look you up. And his profile comes up, and his cover photo is an ultrasound picture. I said, oh, like, you're, you're expecting. He says, well, my girlfriend is. And I said, okay, you guys still together? Nope, we're not together. Okay, here's the phone. Here's the charger. Here's the cord. Let me know what happens. He's like, I'll totally pay back. I'm like, okay, whatever. Take the phone. Be blessed. You know. But now we're friends on Facebook. <laughs> there you go. Okay. So... <laughs> And then I'm in a Kijiji war with somebody else that tells me I'm all about the money. I'm like, I just gave away an iPhone. I don't think I'm all about the money. But anyways, uh, <laughs> totally ridiculous. But we all deal with this stuff on Kijiji. But the point that I'm trying to make is like, we're all charged with positions of faith every single day. And my faith there was to say, God, I'm going to trust you that like this person's going to take this phone and I don't know if I'm going to get the money for it. But I'm going to trust you that you've asked me to give this guy the phone and maybe this will be a blessing to him. You know, I messaged him on Facebook. I said, hey, I'm a dad of two kids. I'm a pastor in town. I have a wife. You know, I'm giving a little profile. If you ever need anything, just reach out to me. Whatever you need, like, just let me know. And he wrote me back. He's like, what do you mean? Because that would totally be, like, creepy when you start thinking about it. Like, if you need anything, like, it's like, oh, I just mean, like, you're going to be a dad. And it's really hard to be a dad. It's so hard to be a dad. So if you ever have any, like, need for advice, let me know. He's like, okay, man. So I'm going to quote myself here on the screen. Because I've said it before. (laughs) You realize every point I make on the screen that does not have my name behind it is actually something I've come up with too. (laughs) 
don't you love it on Facebook where you're like, people are like quoting people and it's like, you did not say that. Come on now. You have no idea what your yes today will mean for someone else's tomorrow. I truly believe that. You have no idea what your yes today is going to mean for somebody else's tomorrow. When God asks you to take a step of faith, maybe it's the first step of like, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to stop trusting in myself. I'm going to trust you and what your son has done for me. That's a first step. You have no idea what that's going to mean for somebody else's tomorrow. When we were planting this church, we had no idea. We were like, hopefully people show up. Like, look at this church now. Like, we just gave away $16,700. Let me stop and consider that for a second. Like, you have no idea what your yesterday will mean for somebody else's tomorrow. I could have never guessed it. And I just pray that whatever happens with this kid, maybe we're going to still stay in communication. But like, I have no idea what my yes to just giving him this phone will mean for his tomorrow. And you have no idea what your yesterday will mean for somebody else's tomorrow. I've gone way over time because I told you this ridiculous Kijiji story. But I hope that story, like the other stories and examples that we went through, would be hopefully an encouragement to you to take a step of faith today. It can be something as simple as selling something over Kijiji. to Something as profound as moving, selling your house and moving to another city because you know God's called you there. And so we're planting a church in Brampton and maybe that's you. You have no idea what your yes today will mean for somebody else's tomorrow. Let's pray. Thanks, God, for this opportunity to tell good stories, to be encouraged by one another. God, I'm sure I could scan the room today and find out other stories of faith, of people doing things because they felt you're leading to do it. Or maybe they just sense that I got to do this right now. But God, they're positions of faith. So God, I pray that we would take seriously this call that we learned from these examples as they trusted in the Messiah and the coming of your son, never getting to witness and experience it. God, may we also be challenged, Lord, that one day you are gonna win the war. So God, may we be faithful today in the here and now. We love you, amen. Uh, I'm gonna ask you all to stand. And if you would like to be prayed for, then come to the front. That might be your step of faith today. Come to the front. We'd love to pray with you.